listening to This Is Wellness, the podcast where wellness looks different for everyone. Social media can be a wonderful tool for exploring new things, keeping in touch with loved ones, and finding tips and tricks to make life easier. But we all know social media can also contribute to fatigue and feelings of inadequacy. This week, our hosts tackle balancing social media with wellness needs and goals. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome back to This Is Wellness. My name is Celeste Novades, and I'm here with my friend Sarah Polk. Hello. Hi, Sarah. Hi. How are you? Doing okay. How are you? I am pumped. I think my iced coffee has kicked in. Finally. Yeah, so be ready. I guess I should put a disclaimer, a warning note. Should we like put that in the intro, like in the little (laughs) blurb, and it's like, warning, their coffee finally kicked in at this point, (laughs) and we are ready to go. All right, y'all. So we are talking about one of the topics that Sarah and I were probably the most excited to talk about. We both wanted to cover this in different ways, but we are talking about wellness and social media. So most of us are on some kind of media, social media platform, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, even I would say Pinterest is somewhat social media related. Um, Twitter, there's just there's so many platforms that exist now. And talking about how we preserve our wellness while still participating in these metaverses. Um, One of the things that came up really quickly for me was this idea of perfection. I think most of us post our favorite things or like our vacations or our, you know, flower arrangement delivery or our kids and their perfectly manicured outfits and lawns and out, you know, just very picturesque. Um, and it can be easily easy to be swept away and like, wow, their life just looks so perfect. And here I am on my couch in my same sweatpants as yesterday. And I'm eating the same like leftover pasta from two days ago. I wish I had, you know, that floral arrangement or I wish I was in Hawaii, all of these things. And so it's really easy to get swept up in that and just feel really down and out. Sarah, what's a time for you where you've been on social media and just felt maybe less than or, you know, inadequate or just like really down about seeing other people's stuff? I think it's really tough because it's always things that I'm normally like, oh my God, I'm so happy for them but why haven't I gone back for a degree or why haven't I gone Mm -hmm. and done that? Mm -hmm. Or, Oh, I haven't bought a new car. And so I think it's when I'm seeing those successes for people that I really am still very happy for them. And it winds up being that conflict Mm -hmm. of, I both want that for them and myself. Mm -hmm. Like I don't necessarily want to be in competition with them for it. I want us all to have it. Yeah. But I'm not there. It's tough. It's tough to see that. Like, I celebrate you, and, like, I kind of wish I was doing that, too. Mm-hmm. Or like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's normal. Um, what's tough is then we get into, and I know there's a lot of research about this right now, even coming through on Facebook, the, the studies that showed that teenage girls and their depression rates that were skyrocketing yes. because of the images that they were seeing of just, I mean size double zero abs perfect tan bodies or what what social media has deemed to be a perfect body um and we saw depression go up through the roof we've seen suicide rates increase all of these things in this trying to uh, accomplish or, or work towards this goal of what social media tells us to be perfect Well, and I don't think that the pandemic helped with that at all, too, because when you think about how important socialization is for teenagers Mm. and suddenly they weren't around their peers and all that they had to keep them connected, which was beautiful and wonderful and great, 
with social media right that was able to give them that social outlet the way that they need so desperately during a time when they couldn't come together the way that they wanted to but it has that double-edged sword to it of it's very filtered and it's hard to keep that in mind of how much that filter is placed on what we put out there for ourselves of how we're displaying ourselves to the world speaking of filter you just triggered a thought for me um i just remember seeing you could rent this is so bizarre. It's not a private jet. It's like almost like, you know, they build sets mm-hmm. for TV right, yeah. and film, right? They build a living room. It's not really a living room. They built out like a private jet set space where you could go in and take photos for Instagram to pretend you're on a private jet. That's clearly like made out of wood and on the ground and couldn't fly anywhere. Like there's a market for that. There is, you know, there are actually for people who are Instagram famous or TikTok famous and things like that, they will rent whole other apartments. Oh, wow. Specifically so that they can record those videos and things like that in a separate place, a sterile place where they can have it stay clean or things like that, where their kids aren't there. You know, they're doing their kitchen hack and they're not actually messing up their kitchen, but they have this separate mm-hmm. kind of like their office. And for it's that probably purpose. Pr- picture perfect. Probably. I, I mean, yeah, the way that I've seen it and I've actually seen several of them. Um, who are, you know, pretty big saying, I had to do this because once TikTok became my life, once I became an influencer, and that is my full time job, Mm -hmm. I had to have that separation for my work life balance. Okay, well, that well, okay, that makes sense to me, though. It does. But the fact that there is a market for that of I'm going to have a second home or a second apartment where I'm going to pretend like I live there. And it's everything's and everything's picture perfect. perfect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay, that that's giving me a whole new thing to think about. Well, when you think about how you're comparing yourself. Yeah. To you social media influencers. A kitchen that nobody actually lives in. I know. My versus... kitchen would always be clean. <laughs> there would be no concerns. And there would be no molding butternut squash. Because yes. I wouldn't forget about it there. <laughs> Those of you who have listened to episode two from last week, go back and listen. It's wonderful. Um, but I think about just the, the sustainability of that and the mm-hmm. average person that's looking on social media and is like, well, my kitchen doesn't have that backsplash or I can't afford even that like uh, cookware, right? There's yeah, exactly. so much status being presented even in those 20 second, 15 second videos. And it's like, well, I can't afford that. And so it can be really discouraging, um, I think, and really detrimental to our wellness. What are some things that you're seeing on, on the potential for harming people's wellness with these types of things? I mean, I think I see people having these expectations for their life milestones or mm. expectations of like what that success looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be really difficult to separate, well, but I am successful in this way. I am successful in that I'm very happy with my life. I'm very happy with my job. Oh, but this person is posting that they're now making six figures and they didn't even go, they didn't even go to graduate school or kind of things along those lines. Mm. Um, And I think it's really easy to compare yourself too much to those milestones in particular, Mm. because when you think about who we mostly have on social media, um, you think about people that maybe you were in competition with in high school or in college where it was always kind of framed around competition or comparison, right? Or ranking class, ranking ranking. grades, things like that. And then you look at, okay, but that's where they are in their life. That's what they've accomplished. And it almost winds up making you think, well, the things that I have and that I value and that I, I love and are wonderful Mm -hmm. aren't as 
important or aren't as impressive. Yeah, that's so interesting. I hadn't considered that. You know, we growing up in the U.S. education system, just public ed in, I think, even private too, but just like class ranking and we celebrate the valedictorian, but the kid who was, you know, maybe number 600 also got the same degree. Exactly. Um, But we do compare that. We had a great valedictorian, so um, he was great and didn't do any of that. But I could see how that could be really ugly of just like, I'm better than you and look at me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so now in adulthood, obviously we're not ranking things, but we do in the form of social media, like, oh, their kids always look so perfect or they've got three and I don't have any, or they're on their doctorate degree. And, you know, I didn't even get my bachelor's just like so many, uh, just ways to compare and try to make rank. Um, and those are some of the more obvious ways, but even the smaller ones on those videos that we're saying, even like a cooking video, like, oh, here's the pan I'm going to use. And it's $300. And you're like, well, I don't have that pan, but I still would like to make the same delicious food for my family. Mm-hmm. There's still so much status in all of that and and comparison that I just feel like it's so unhealthy. Yeah, the amount of editing that goes into one of those videos. Oh gosh, yeah. I mean, when you look at just the shortcuts or even when we first started doing the podcast and we were saying, okay, but we can make us sound smarter, right? <laughs> we can cut out our ums and our hmms. And I remember having the look given to us by the person who does our editing. I was like, no, that is not possible. Do you have any idea how much it would take for me to make you sound smart? And I was like, well, that hurt. Yeah, but... ouch. Yeah, ouch. Um, But the reality is we do have pauses. Yeah. We do have those moments where we're kind of like buffering. And in TikTok videos, in Instagram reels or wait, it's Facebook reels, right? Instagram stories. I can't even keep those things straight of what they're called anymore. Um, There is the ability to hack that up and frame the shot in such a way Mm -hmm. that the mess of the craft that you just made is not in the shot. But that one corner of the room looks perfect, as does whatever it is that you just made or whatever it is that you just did. You don't see the whole sink full of dishes Mm -hmm. for that beautiful meal that is now plated and on the table. Yeah, right. But we all know those dishes are there. Right. Because we're the ones having to clean them. (laughs) Um, And I think about image, too, in in beauty and beauty standards and all of that. I mean, I have had my makeup professionally done a handful of times. And there've been a few times I'm like, Oh my God, like who is a person on the other side of this mirror? Cause it's not me. And some of it is a little cool and glamorous, but the other part of me is like, yeah, I don't look like this every day. I feel like a fraud. This is yeah. Like, Ooh, it's a little icky. Like, you know, posting even a selfie like this. Cause like, I don't look like this every day. There's a reason this is a podcast and not a vlog. <laughs> yeah. We deliberately made that decision yeah. when they were like, Oh, and you can do videos and put them on YouTube. And we were like, how about we don't? <laughs> Cause it's just so much more work to maintain. And that's not, you know, a dig at, at, um, influencers or YouTubers or anything like that. I'm just, I want to speak to the general public, the general consumer, which is us and saying nobody spends, it's unrealistic to have a full-time job, a family, friends, you know, get eight glasses of water in a day, some exercise, and then do your makeup every day for an hour and a half and oh, full glam with, you know, hair included and to go up and show up to work this way. And I think there's this weird, um, self-induced shame like I should look like that like why am I not doing full hair makeup stilettos everything you know in this again perfectly clean kitchen and making 
three meals a day for my family. It's just, it's not realistic. It's so edited. There are so many more people involved. And it makes me, it, it just, when I think about it, it makes me really sad because I hear my friends, my clients come in and say, like, I should be doing this. And there's just a lot of guilt and shame around that that I think is really unfair and unwell. Yeah, absolutely. I think when it comes down to it, if you're holding yourself to those standards, it kind of comes back to the idea of what hacks you're willing to put in place or what permission you're willing to give yourself of, okay, I am not going to have this particular outcome. Mm -hmm. And I know that and I acknowledge that. And one of the reasons I personally I'm on social media, but I use it in very odd ways. um, And I am not all that consistent with it either is because I've given myself permission that I don't need to be on that Mm -hmm. all the time. I don't have to be putting on that act or putting on that veneer or putting on that filter of myself all the time. So then I have a question for you about your social media use. And what or how you edit it in a way that makes sense for you and your wellness because I hear a lot of people who we talked about high school and college things you know we keep people on well I've known them since first grade but man they post a lot of things that just are really unsettling I don't align with or or make me feel bad about myself Mm -hmm. you know there are a number of reasons why we should unfriend people on social media Um, how do you maintain that uh, I get on visibility of the people you follow or, or add as friends. So I'm actually very selective in that. It's so funny because I just had this conversation with someone the other day and they were like, well, I have 1300 some friends on Facebook. And wow. I was like, I have 300 and I'm thinking that that's maybe too many. I know. Um, Cause I'll go through and I'll kind of cull and it's like, well, if I don't, hmm, there are a lot of reasons I might remove someone either. Um, Maybe they never post. They aren't very active. So I'm like, well, I'm not really getting anything from having them on there. Or sometimes if they post way too much or are posting things that are making me feel really bad about myself, I might mute them or, you know, quiet them down or things like that. Um, And the other part of it, too, is looking at, well, where did this friendship come from? And is it still actually kind of a genuine thing that some of the people that I had one biology class with, you know, Yes. Four years ago. Right. That I don't necessarily need to see their trip to Mexico. It sounds great and whatnot. Fine. Um, I don't need that to be front and center. Yeah. Whereas one of the people that I went that I had that same biology class to years and years or same biology class with years and years and years ago. I keep her on there because she and I are very active with each other of encouraging each other, liking each other's posts. Um, There was even a time where I was like, hey, who wants to go to this movie with me? I got an extra ticket and, Mm. you know, my spouse can't go. And she was like, I'll go. And I hadn't talked to her in two years. It felt like nothing had happened. We picked it up and we were able to go. She's someone I will keep on, even though we aren't super active or connected normally. Yeah. So I think it's really looking at and being able to go through. And I do a friendship purge about like once a year. Oh, I like that. So once a year, I'll go through and I'll go through my whole Facebook friend list Mm -hmm. and I will go through from alphabetical order and I just start it. And it's kind of a chore. It's kind of a a beast to do. And I'll just kind of think, like, when is the last time that I saw anything from them? Mm -hmm. When is the last time that we really interacted? And is this someone that I want to be connected to? Yeah. Um, my cousin and I do not interact with each other's posts all that much. I love seeing her kids. I love seeing things where then, you know, our grandmother is posting about it and blah, yeah. blah, blah. That's fine. She's also my cousin. Like, 
that's a different story, right? Not to say that you have to keep cousins. You don't have to keep cousins. Right. Um, this is like the first best friend type of thing where, oh, man, the thing she could get me in trouble for even now. <laughs> but being able to say, like, this is someone I don't actively engage with them, but I'm OK with this passive engagement. And, and that adds right. value to me. I'm interested in their life. I'm yeah. OK with them being interested in mine. Exactly. OK, got it. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that lens. I had never thought of a friendship purge. I like that. And it's scheduled versus what I do, which is not a good suggestion. And that's an emotional purge where it's like, oh, "Oh, this person, you know, is infuriating me. I'm going to unfollow them. And it's usually, you know, emotionally charged, um, probably two, three in the morning. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's just it's not maybe my most rational decision making process. Um, Well, and then you do have where people will notice that they that you unfriended them. And I actually have the honest response yeah i have even unfriended my mother on accident before i'm really sorry and obviously if it means something to them that we be facebook friends yeah as long as it's not something that's harmful to me fine we'll be facebook friends again yeah that's fine um but i have i have unfriended people where i realized i looked and was like wait a second i'm oh shoot i unfriended my own mother and she was not happy about that oh i bet not I bet not. Hi, mom. Um, so I think doing that on an annual basis, like, I don't know, New Year's Eve is always a good time to relook at some things and we yeah. always look inward instead of outward. Maybe not New Year's Eve because sometimes that can be emotionally charged or charged um, by other things too. That's true. Mm-hmm. We'll pick, pick, a, a, pick a, a neutral day. April 15th. <laughs> that's tax day. Oh, man. But yeah, let's do tax day because that's a different <laughs> kind of emotional charge. <laughs> Not too hot, not too cold. Which there we go. Um, uh, April 23rd. There you go. April 23rd. It'll be not too hot, not too cold day and friend purge, purge day. Yeah. Just clearing out your social media to make sense for you and your wellness. It doesn't have to be, you know, um, we got in this huge fight and I hate her and she hates me. And now we, you know, it's just like, you know, this person posts a lot of things that just don't make me feel great about myself. And I just don't enjoy the content and we we do it easily for I think for celebrities we're yeah. like Ugh, I don't like that we unfollow but for friends that I took math class in eighth grade with like they remember some strong bond from that very unlikely like there's nothing really holding you together besides eighth grade math and when you get beyond I think 500 friends on Facebook it really does start to be most of them are muted for you anyway. The algorithm yeah. do, algorithm does not show them to you as it is. I'm curious about that. I have a Facebook that I don't really utilize. Like, I don't even know how many friends I have on there. Now you're making me, I'm going to go in and check while we're doing this. Um, And my Wi-Fi doesn't work. Cool. But I think over 500, you're right. The algorithm mm-hmm. doesn't work. The science doesn't work. And just yeah, because it starts muting people that maybe you don't necessarily want to stay connected with or that it has noticed you aren't as connected with. Hmm. You aren't interacting with their posts as much. Well, and you know what? That's interesting because I was just reading something about Instagram on um, body neutrality. Yes. And saying, you know, if you're clicking on things for, let's say, unhealthy diet culture or things that are just not healthy. I mean, I'm, I understand people wanting to exercise and lose weight for health reasons, but there's a lot of really scary information out there. You know, how to lose 15 pounds in two days. No, not healthy. Yeah. Unrealistic. Um, and how the algorithm and Instagram, if you start clicking on those things, will continue to feed you more of that. Yes. And how unhealthy is that for your wellness? Mm-hmm. Like you're constantly seeing these images or, or these videos on what you should be doing and how to f- feel better about your body, but they're actually 
really unhealthy modalities for that. Um, so you tailor your social media to what you need and want. And I think we need to take power in that. This is a permission slip for me to you to say, take power in what you're seeing. I mean, we scroll, some of us scroll for hours. We call it doom scrolling, especially when things are really overwhelming. Right. We'll say like, how long have you been doom scrolling? And you need to step back from that. But even beyond just the ones that you watch, the way that the algorithm will tweak things based on how long you paused on a certain ad Not even actually clicking in to watch a video, but even just like how long you paused and considered whether or not you were going to. The amount of information that they get from you is ridiculous. Right. And I mean, we're just kind of giving that up. But you're right. It winds up becoming that um, almost siloed effect, right? You wind up seeing those things over and over again. I think I watched one short clip from like the Big Bang Theory and suddenly every single thing in my feed Every other thing was a Big Bang Theory or an organization video because I really need to organize my life. But (laughs) right. So it just wound up being like one after another, after another, after another, after another. Yeah. And I have never watched the Big Bang Theory in my life, but I've seen plenty of it now. Um, So being able to look at the way those algorithms are impacting you, too, is important. It's important and it's so vital to your wellness. And I hear this a lot about people when they start complaining about it. Like I just, social media is the worst. And I, I understand that I have, there's some truth to that, right? There is. I Uh, think there's a lot of value to it as well. Right. But I think if you have lost control of what you're seeing because you've maybe clicked one video about Big Bang Theory or organization or unhealthy diet habits or, you know, bodybuilding images of you know, these abs and everything else. It's super unattainable for me as a regular person. Um, You can get get flooded with these images that then flood your brain, that then flood your emotions, right? And it just, it spirals into this. And I think we as consumers of social media need to take control and charge of what we visualize all day, every day. And here's the thing too, for those of you who are parents or caregivers of children, being mindful of that too, Right. Like our kids, I'm, I feel like I'm still a kid, but click on things. Oh, that looks cool. Or that looks pretty or that looks fun. And then all of a sudden their whole algorithm is feeding them just that. Um, And so being really careful about what they click on. And that sounds so easy because it's like, well, don't click on predatory things or, you know, very clearly quote unquote bad stuff. But I think the, the subtlety of clicking on something that might look interesting that then just floods your child's Instagram with really unhealthy information and just especially when you think about how hard is it even as us with our fully developed brains (laughs) and the knowing I know that this is something that's potentially harmful but I'm going to still go down that rabbit hole so to speak kids don't have that they don't have that filter built in because they haven't learned that from the world and as a parent as a caregiver as an aunt as a whoever you are to a child It's important to help them learn that and develop that to be able to have that lens to look at it with that. And I'm using judgmental here in the positive way Mm -hmm. with the judgmental lens of is this actually something that is harmful to me Mm -hmm. and being able to kind of parse through those and separate out, Okay, maybe this is something I should take from and this is something I should leave. Right. But I think also when you are and this it almost feels like it's okay, fine, like you're policing me to not seem as perfect or to not filter myself as much on my social media. And I don't even think it's that. I mean, celebrate the things that you want to celebrate. Put that out there. I think that's beautiful. It is is an encouragement and it is a way to stay connected with people too. 
but also kind of be mindful of if you wanted to put the things that are not as pretty it can be it can be just as powerful i know um there have been a lot of people lately putting up things about like their real hardships of Mm -hmm. um this is what my now that they are you know a year out from their COVID experience or a couple years out from having lost a child or things like that really putting those experiences out there so that other people can not feel so alone right and that's the purpose of social media exactly right I think I've kind of tailored my social media where if people who know me really well, they look at my Facebook, they see it as the ridiculousness that it is because I'll just post some of the most ridiculous things. Like I just posted the other day about how I packed a box and labeled it kitchen dinosaurs (laughs) to be different, to make sure I didn't confuse them with my Christmas Christmas. dinosaurs and my everyday dinosaurs. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) And for people who know me really well, they're like, yeah, that, that totally makes sense for Sarah. And for people who are maybe not as, don't know me as ridiculous as I am, they were kind of like... Why do you have so many dinosaurs? I'm like, well, you need to come to my... Obviously, you have never been to my house. Um, But I think I've kind of taken it as a way to tailor and kind of just make a joke about a lot of things of making it light or making it um, something that is still accessible. I know for the first few weeks of the pandemic and my coworkers were my dogs and I posted a daily laying pattern and then I was like, huh, I'm just posting pictures of my dogs laying around my house. This feels ridiculous and stupid, like... I'm so alone. And I actually had several people message me and they were like, hey, how are your dogs doing? Because I haven't seen a picture of them. them. Yes. So it wound up being a, you know, I posted the daily laying pattern for people. And it was mostly because other people had said, you know, I really like the ridiculousness and the fact that your dogs are just snoozing in different orientations. Mm -hmm. That's really helpful for me. Mm. Okay. So I think another part of it is trying to figure out like, how can my social media both celebrate the things that I want to celebrate? The fact that I have so many dinosaurs that I have kitchen dinosaurs (laughs) and everyday dinosaurs. And how do I make that something that is then that genuine connection with each other genuine and having it be real? I love that. Mm -hmm. I really do. And I know I'm guilty of that. I was only post the highlight reels and today was wonderful and look what I got here and look at the new shoes I bought and da 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 and um when I'm mindful of it I try my best to just put you know like today and all the things that went wrong and not just like from a complaining standpoint but just to paint the picture of more accurate yeah life. giving it like realistic <laughs> yeah like here are my beautiful flowers and then here's what happened when I dropped them outside my house and the vase shattered like let me let's just do that um and try to t- paint a more balanced picture but just being really mindful of that I know even like TikTok, it's really easy to be on there for what seems like 15 minutes and an hour and a half goes by. And man, that algorithm just knows it you better sucks you in than your best friend sometimes. Yes. So being really careful of, of what you're feeding your brain, what you're feeding into your wellness and your overall mind space and Very those around you. So we invite you to give yourself permission slips to purge right like you said purge feel free to take a break you can actually like temporarily deactivate your facebook for a couple of days if that needs to happen for like a reset yeah and know that this is everybody's highlight reel it really is this is no i mean just it's not the blooper reel no gosh that'd be great but think about that from like a sports standpoint they only show highlight reels they're not showing all of the other stuff um and, and we do the same. We're guilty of it as, as people. But as a consumer of social media, again, just being really careful and protective 
of your wellness. But thank you for answering all my questions today, Sarah. Yeah, you know, I wasn't expecting to go into that social media rabbit hole, but here we are. Hopefully it helped. I found your algorithm. You found my algorithm. (laughs) To keep you interested. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. We will see you all next week on This Is Wellness. This Is Wellness is a podcast by Emergence Health Network. It's hosted by Celeste Nevadez and Sarah Polk. Audio production by Andrew J. Polk and produced by Ashley Sandoval. 